Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. As we talk about Christmas, it's almost like it's just a constant season of preparation. When we hear the word preparation, I can't help but to think of the parable that Jesus taught when he references the ten virgins. As they were talking about the bridegroom is coming, the bridegroom is on his way. You know that you've heard the story, maybe you haven't, but there were there were five of the, of the virgins that were ready. They were ready for the coming of the bridegroom. They had their, their lamp, they had their oil, they had it all. However, there were five that the Bible says are foolish or not wise. They weren't ready. They had their lamp, but they had no oil. And so at midnight, the announcement goes out that the bridegroom was close to arriving. And, and so just like many of us, the ones who weren't prepared, they got frantic. And so they started going to the ones who had prepared and said, look, I need your help. I need some oil. They said, sorry, we got enough for us. We've got it. We've already, we prepared. So you must go and just go buy some and then just come back. So we know they went and they tried to purchase some. They got back. The wedding feast had already started. They were too late. And so we know the heart of, of, of the preparation process and how frantic we can get in this season of preparation. And that parable, yes, it's, it's speaking to the second coming of Christ. And we're always gonna ask that question, are you ready for that day? Are you ready for the second coming? If Jesus were to return today, and some of you kind of wish you would because you're in the heart of preparation for Christmas and it's chaotic. But if he returned today, would you be ready? Would you be ready? Have you called on him to be the Lord of your life, repented of your sin and trusted in his finished work? And so while that's the parable that Jesus is teaching, there's also another element that I think if we look into it a little bit deeper, it's something that we can all relate to. Are we gonna be ready when God calls to use us as his children? Are we gonna be ready when God shows up or God prompts us, today's build day. Today we're going out and loving on our community. And I believe with everything in me, we're gonna hear stories. I believe we're gonna hear salvation stories. I believe we're gonna hear people smiling that have not smiled in years as a result of you loving on them. And so there's been a season of you preparing for God to use you for today. And so the question is, is how do we prepare to be used by God? How do we prepare for God to use us to be a part of his work and what he's going to accomplish? And so over the next four weeks, over our Christmas series, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about four different characters in what we call the Christmas story and how they prepared for what we celebrate, what we know as Christmas. And so today we're gonna look at a very popular character of this story, and her name is Mary. Come on, y'all, let's try that one more time. Her name is, there you go the precious mother of our Lord and Savior. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter one. And we're gonna read a little bit about Mary today, but what we're gonna focus mainly on is how, number one, did Mary prepare, but also how did the Lord prepare her? 
to be used to accomplish his work, to accomplish what he was going to do through her. Now, before we read about Mary, I wanna kind of just give you some very, I hate to say this, but very vague details just to sort of catch you up so when we hear the impact that obviously Mary's gonna have, you'll see how far-fetched it was that God chose to use her. Mary, many scholars believe that at the time that the angel Gabriel came to her that she was 14 years old. She was 14 years of age. She was engaged to a man that we all know by the name of Joseph whom she had never been with. She was a virgin. She had never had a relationship, physical relationship with him. This precious young girl was from a village called Nazareth inside of Galilee. And this village was despised by the Jews. If you remember when, when Philip invited Nathaniel to go and to see Jesus, he talked about and referenced Jesus as the one that, that came from Nazareth. And if you remember what Nathaniel said, does anybody know? He said, how does anything good come from Nazareth? That was the mindset that people had of this, this village that God was going to choose this precious young girl to be the bearer of the savior of the world and to bring him into our world to save us. So in, in, in light of that, can anything good come from Nazareth if, if all indications were leading to, to how Mary's life was going to go? It wasn't one that was very elaborate. It wouldn't be very extraordinary. She would probably marry very humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel farther than about two to three miles from her home, and then one day she would just simply die like thousands of other people. If all indications that we know about where she was raised, where she came from, she would have been a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. But you see what I love about the grace of God, when we look at that resume, that's not very impressive. That's not a very impressive resume that says, yes, this is the glamour that we've been looking for. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that resumes like Mary is just the resume that God is looking for. It's just the resume that our God looks for. And so let's look at this resume for lack of better words. I want you to read with me. We're gonna read a little bit. Um, we're gonna read in verses 26 through 38. And so this is part of what we know as the Christmas story. So I almost feel like I need to ask you to step out into the aisles and like sit crisscross applesauce so we can read the Christmas story to a bunch of kids. So we're going to read it anyway. All right. So starting in verse 26, he says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, one of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to him, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It's very important. He repeated himself there from what he had said in verse 29. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. So Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. This is probably the toughest prayer somebody's ever prayed. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So what we've seen in this text, what, what I want you to notice in these several verses is there's several ways that, that God is preparing Mary, but there's also a couple of things that Mary does to prepare herself to be used by God. And so as Gabriel comes to this precious little girl, he not only shares with her the news of how God is going to use her, but what he has to do is prepare her heart to hear it to get her mind right, to hear the instructions that she's about to receive. And so today we're gonna look at four different things that, that in, through the lenses of preparing, of preparation for this, what we know as Christmas. And so the first way that we see that the angel Gabriel prepared her is the one thing that she was gonna have to do is to simply do this, be reminded. So as you are called on by God to be used by God, you're gonna have to go through seasons of your life where you're gonna have to be reminded of who you are. So in our preparation to be used by God, this is gonna be something that we constantly have to do as his children is to be reminded. And if you look, we see how Gabriel reminds her. He reminds her of a few things in verse 29. He says that, greetings, favored one. Greetings, favored one. Now, we have to be very, very, very careful how we translate that phrase, favored one. Because what we've noticed and what we've seen is this verse alone has created in some places a false theology. In that, that it's calling Mary basically the, the co-redeemer. As if she is as important as the savior of the world. And what we have to recognize is while Mary was very valuable in God finishing his work, Mary by no means was the savior of the world. She was by no means the co-redeemer of you and of me. She was just simply a tool in the hand of God. Here's the, the mind-blowing part. In God's eyes, do you realize what God calls you to do is the same level of what she was allowing Mary, or what he was allowing Mary to do? That's mind-blowing to me. That you're, I know in our fleshly minds, we're saying, but wait, wait a minute, but she was the carrier, the savior of the world. But the reality is she was nothing more than a tool in the hand of an almighty God. Many of you are gonna go out today. You're gonna love on a community. You're gonna love on people this week in your workplace. Do you realize in that moment, you are simply a tool in the hand of God? But by no means are you somebody's co-redeemer. By no means have you ever saved anyone but we are the messengers of the one who can. 
And so we have to be very, very careful on how we, we translate this favored one. When you look at the original language, it literally translate that Mary was made favored. Made favored. And I guess you can imagine who made her the favored one. Who's that? God, right? So this points all credit to our salvation. This points all credit to the coming of the Messiah to God and God alone. And so she was made favored. It was only by God's grace was Mary given this role. And if you remember two weeks ago, we defined the word grace and we know that grace is giving someone something that they don't deserve. So what we have to realize is that Mary has done nothing to achieve this role. Mary's done nothing to achieve or earn her responsibility. And so what we have to realize is that in the kingdom of God, just as you've heard a moment ago, we don't have any way of earning of earning a position with God. Everything that we've been given, everything that we have been entrusted with is something that has been given to us by the favor of God and the grace of God. Everything you have, you have been made by God, not you, not anything that you have done. And so Gabriel is reminding her of this promise. He's look, he set you apart to be a part of this redemption story. But because he has set you apart, what is he reminder of next? He will be with you. He will be with you. And as I said a moment ago, then he goes on to repeat that in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And so what I love about this is it says, as Gabriel reminds her of who she is, of what her role is, of what her responsibility is. What does the Bible say that, that she did with this statement? She, she pondered it. When you look at the definition of ponder, it, it literally means to, to, to revolve in your mind, to keep reminding, to constantly think about it. And so what I wanna do today is encourage you as a child of God that there's gonna be seasons in your life where the Holy Spirit of God prompts you to do something. He's going to lead you. He's going to direct you. And what you're gonna to have to constantly remind yourself of is I'm a child of God. I've gotta constantly remind myself of who I am as a result of what he has done on my behalf. You reminding yourself is not reminding yourself of how great you are. You reminding yourself of who you are as a result of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so in light of this assignment, in light of your assignment, that's gonna be a battle that you have to walk through the rest of your life is pondering the thought of who you are. Do you know how you ponder the thought of who you are? Read about the words that have been given to you to remind you of who you are. I will never forget the day I was being ordained. And I was sitting in the hallway at Hopewell Baptist Church, scared out of my mind. I was a little middle school PE teacher, about to be a part-time middle school youth pastor. And I remember sitting in the hallway as the, the deacons and the leadership were in the room behind me and, 
is they were getting ready, for lack of better words, to drill me with like 8 million questions. I was scared to death. And evidently, I wear it. So a man by the name of Bradley Ledford walks by and he says, are you scared to death? I said, absolutely, I'm scared to death. But you know what he did? He reminded me of something. He said, God didn't bring you this far to leave you now. God didn't leave, bring you this far to leave you now. There's some of you in this room today that you need to be reminded you need to ponder that thought today that God didn't bring you this far to leave you now. That God is with you because you are his chosen one. Because he has called on you. He's opened the door for you to be a part of his work. Now what is so heartbreaking, and this is not in the notes, but I'm gonna go there anyway. This is something in the house of a, of a father with teenagers. As a result of social media, as a result of this chaotic media world we live in, what's so heartbreaking is this is something that we as parents have got to be instilling in our children. Your identity is not found on how many likes or how many followers or how many parties you get invited to. You are a child of God. And it is our responsibility to constantly remind them of that. That they're here to accomplish God's work. They're not here to accomplish making a name for themselves. But the enemy is looking, he's prowling around like a soaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that someone a lot of times is the children in our home. So we've got to constantly remind them. Remind them of who they are through Christ Jesus, their Lord. Remind them of their identity. But this is where we have to hide God's word in our heart. Because there's going to be days that as you are being obedient, that you're gonna get discouraged. There's gonna be days that when you feel like you're backed up against the wall and there's nobody on your side. And this is why we have to hide God's word in our heart. Second, or first Peter chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim his excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when you get down, when you get frustrated, when you get discouraged, you remind the enemy, for I am a people of God. I'm his possession I'm a chosen race. I'm a royal priesthood. So dog, you need to bag up. I am his. I'm a child of the most high God. The book of Romans, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. And we look at verses 35 through 39. Here's another reminder that we need to remember. Verses 35 through 38. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But verse 37, 
But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody needs to be reminded of that today. That you are more than a conqueror and there is nothing that you are walking through. There's nothing you're gonna walk through that will ever separate you from the love of God. He is with you. As you go today, look, today's not gonna be all easy. You do realize that, right? There are gonna be people that don't wanna see you. There are gonna be people who don't like you. So don't get discouraged. Constantly remind yourself today of who you are. And if God's called you there, guess what? The promise of his word, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. So the first thing that we see Mary had to do is she had to be reminded. The second thing that Mary had to do is to be ready. And we sort of segued there already is to be ready that when God's using you, it's not going to be easy. Keep in mind, in the context of God using this little girl, this is a lowly little poor girl from Nazareth who's gonna tell everybody she's pregnant and she's never been with a man. Pretty far-fetched, isn't it? So guess what's gonna happen? People aren't gonna believe what she's saying. And not only that, then in verses 31 through 33, we hear who she's pregnant with, the child of God. And so it's like it just continues to stack up the impossibilities that there's no way that, that God can use a lowly little peasant girl like yourself to bring into the world the Messiah and the one that's gonna save us all. So you better believe what's gonna happen is the world is gonna turn their back on this precious little girl. As a result of God using her. If God's gonna use you, there's gonna be seasons in your life where people that you thought loved you are gonna turn their back on you. They're gonna turn their back on you. So as a child of God, while you're being reminded, this reminder will help us in being ready. And being ready for the difficult seasons that we're going to face as an obedient child of God. Being obedient is tough. Being obedient is tough. But in those tough seasons of obedience, this is when God always proves his faithfulness. That's when God can even take our Condition of being faithless, but it doesn't change his character of him being faithful. And so no matter how hard it gets, you need to be reminded, be reminded that you're a child of God and that he's gonna be with you. So not only do we need to be ready for the tough times, but this is the one I get excited about talking you need to be ready 
for the impossible to happen. You need to be ready for the impossible to happen. Now you may ask, well, how did Mary prepare for the impossible? What I like about Mary is Mary just asks questions. Gabriel says, hey, look, you're gonna be the child bearer, the son of God. You're gonna bring him into this world. And what does she do? How will that happen? I'm a virgin. This is an impossibility. So I love how Mary asks questions because I ask a lot of questions. So she's just heard of the impossible, but she wants to know how she needs to prepare for the impossible. And so Gabriel kind of unpacks how this is gonna happen. He answers her question. He says, the Holy Spirit is gonna come upon you. But to make it more understandable for, for Mary and in her context and, and their knowledge of the word and the knowledge of the Old Testament, he goes on to talk about that. And he says, and also the power of the most high God will overshadow you. The power of the most high God will overshadow you. And that word power is the same word power that would have been used in the Old Testament. The power comes from the word dunamis. And that is where we, in our English language, get the word dynamite. And how many of you just went, dynamite? <laughs> what show was that? I don't remember what show. AJ, AJ yeah, okay. Who? JJ. JJ, I said AJ. No, JJ. I can't say the word dynamite without, see, you even heard it. I just did it and I didn't even mean to. Dynamite. I don't know if I can just say dynamite. So we're gonna try it. But dunamis means dynamite. And that's where we get our English word dynamite. And so what the angel Gabriel is wanting Mary to understand is that the same power that is going to overshadow you is the same power that took place at the day of creation. It's the same dunamis, it's the same power because we know that the world, the earth was null and void of life. It was, it was dark, there was nothing there. And then in a moment, the power of God, the dunamis, the dynamite spoke and said what? Let there be light. And just like that, what happened? There was light. No man could explain that. Obviously, couldn't because they weren't around then. But no man could explain how something impossible like that could happen. There's no science that can make sense of that. There's no explanation of what could make sense of that. You know, I remember as a kid when the, the Big Bang Theory was really, really being taught. I remember even as a kid, I was believing in this Big Bang because I said, yeah, you got it. God spoke and bang, it happened. That's what happened. That's the God of the impossible that I serve. That's the God of the impossible that saved you. And so what he's reminding Mary of again is he's saying, look, the same dunamis, the same power of God that spoke the world in creation is going to overshadow you. And right now, what is a dark, empty womb that is lifeless as soon as the power of God speaks, let there be life. Guess who is conceived? The savior of the world. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. 
but I am so thankful that I serve a God who doesn't make sense. I am so thankful that I serve a God that there is no explanation for. And so as a child of God, as we are reminded, as we are ready to be used, we've also got to be ready for the impossible to happen. I love being a part of people when they ask, how is this happening? I love looking at them going, I don't know. God, I remember two years ago, we were coming off the hills of COVID and, and Jared and I were at a baseball game and we were sitting with a bunch of pastors. And as all of them begin their sorrow stories of, oh, you just can't get people to come back to church. Our giving's been cut in half. Nobody will even open the doors. And as we're sitting in the middle of the, one of the biggest seasons of growth that we've ever seen, and here I'm this little penon over here who really don't have a whole lot of clue what I'm doing other than trusting God. They looked at me and Jared and they go, is that y'all's story? How are things at y'all's church? And I said, well, they're kind of the opposite. And so you know what pastors do. They pulled out their notepad. What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? I, I don't know. We're preaching the word of God and we're loving people. That doesn't make sense. You're not gonna read about that in a strategic book of how to grow ministry. And so I am thankful that God has allowed us as a church family to be a part of something that doesn't make sense. Because if we can make sense of it, we're just fleshly enough. You know who would try to take credit for it? We would. We would. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I serve an impossible God. You know, we always say, we just want God to do these things that are out of the box. We want God to do these things that are, doesn't make sense. But the problem is, is I think as his children, that we wanna see him do things out of the box, but our faith continues to remain in the box. When God lays something on your heart that seems impossible, that's a good clue that he's probably right in the middle of it. But are we gonna be bold enough to do what God instructs us to do? Are we gonna be bold enough to do what God instructs us to do? So as we're obedient, we're gonna have to be reminded. We're gonna have to be ready for tough times. We're gonna to have to be ready for the impossible. But I think the more impossible we see, it leads us to the third point of how we prepare for God to use us is we gotta be humble. We gotta be humble. You know, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, you notice how she did not respond. About time you shut up and wanted to use me. I've been living a good life. I've been doing this right. I've been doing that right. I've straightened up this part of my life. So it's about time you decided you wanted to use me. That wasn't at all how she responded. Verse 29, we read that according to her response, the Bible says she was perplexed. That she was troubled greatly. 
How can God call me favored and use me? Can I tell you, church, that was one of the biggest things that I dealt with when God opened the door for us here at Chestnut Mountain. I stayed perplexed. Like, God, I was a PE teacher. I wanted to coach. God, I don't have all the ministry training. God, I haven't been to all the schools. I don't have all the degrees. So God, how in the world are you inviting me to be a part of what it is that you're doing? And there's a lot of days I battle with that. There's a lot of days I struggle with that. So what I constantly have to remind myself of is God didn't bring me this far to leave me now. But in that, when we get to see and witness these impossible things, it keeps us in this posture of humility because (laughs) we ain't smart enough to get credit for it. And the only explanation is God. That's it. What we've got to do as his children is to realize the same way we even talked about generosity, that God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need us to accomplish his work. But guess what? He's invited us in. Does he have to invite us in? No. But he's invited us in. And how humbling is that? That with all of your issues, all of my issues, all of your sin, all of my sin, that a holy and a righteous God still invites me in to be a part of something that's impossible. To bring resurrection life to those who have no life. How humbling is that? How humbling is that? And so let our prayer be what we read in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. You see, for whatever reason, that is not what our world teaches today. Our world teaches, let me increase. And it doesn't matter who I run over in the process. So as we go and love people today, as you go and love people next week at your workplace, remember, we're there to build his kingdom not ours. You're there to have people talk about him, not you. You know, it's always interesting how God's timing always works perfectly. I was, I was looking on social media this week and a, and a good friend of mine, many of you may know him, Jonathan Etienne. He is the worship pastor at Free Chapel. He grew up in this community And God's using him in a significant way there. But he posted a song this week that he wrote. And it was a song and the lyrics were to be from basically one worship pastor to another worship pastor. 
And so I texted Jonathan that day as I was preparing and I, you know, I just said, hey brother, I said, I know you worship guys are weird with like song lyrics and stuff, but do you mind if I share these lyrics with our congregation? Because they go right along with, with this idea of being humble in ministry. Be humble as God uses us. And so I didn't know what to expect in response. And his response says, hey, pastor, I love you. There's the lyrics. And so what I wanna do is just take a second to read these lyrics as, as our responsibility is to point all glory to him and not to us. But the song in one of the verses or whatever you wanna call that music part of it, it says, you've got your gear, you've got your game, you've got your gossip, you've got your fame. You've got your platform that someone else gave, but you don't even know your name. Where's your oil? Where's your spine? Where's your conviction? Where's your light? Dust off the Bible there on the shelf. Lead us to Jesus and not to yourself. Lead us to Jesus and not to yourself. And so as we, as builders of the kingdom of God, as we build the kingdom of God, let it be said of us that we're leading people to Jesus and not to ourselves. Lead people to Jesus and not to ourself. And so as we prepare for God to use us, I want you to always keep in mind these four points of how Mary prepared for God to use her. You're gonna have to be reminded. Every day you're gonna have to be reminded. But you're also gonna have to be ready. You're gonna have to be ready because it's gonna be tough. It's not gonna be easy. But you gotta be ready for difficult times and you've also gotta be ready for the impossible. Be ready for the impossible. You know, and I'm just felt led to even share this. Be ready for the impossible. As you know, we're, we're getting ready to step back into international missions. And so as God has prompted me in my heart and in my spirit for my family, we have felt very led that we are to go to Cambodia over spring break. And so me and the big kids and Deacon are gonna be going to Cambodia. Now there's a big price tag that goes with that. So guess what? Oh, ye of so much faith. God, that, that can't be right. God, that can't be right. Because God, that's a lot of money to get my family to the other side of the world. And it's almost as if God said, whose is it? Shut your mouth. You're gonna talk to the church all the time. Put your yes on the table, God will provide. It's always easy to stand up here and tell y'all to do it. 
And so look, I'll go ahead and tell you now, if you see us out on the side of the road, lemonade stands, washing cars, please stop by. You can even take some of the kids if you want to. But what I'm doing is I'm gonna be ready for the impossible. I'm gonna be ready for the impossible. But also in the process, as we watch God do the impossible, we gotta be humble. We gotta be humbled. And then lastly, we just simply gotta be surrendered. As I shared in verse 38, that prayer that Mary says, or that conversation that she has with the angel, may it be done to me according to your word. Can I tell you, that's a statement that not everybody in the room is prepared to make. There's many days that I'm not prepared to make that statement. According to your will, let it be done, God. Because God, I know that if your will's done, it's gonna be an uphill battle for me. But the beauty of it is, is, is when we ask God to have his way with our life, look what happens in verse 37. For nothing, nothing will be impossible. Nothing is impossible without God. Nothing is impossible with God, nothing. So does your prayer need to simply be today, may it be done with me, God? May it be done with me today, God, so that impossible things can happen. And so this morning, I don't know what your response is. I don't know how, how the Spirit of God would allow you to respond to this today. Maybe you're in the bottom of the barrel. Maybe you're in the bottom of the tank and you have forgotten who you are. Be reminded. You're a child of the Most High God. You're the favored one. And he's with you. So even in the dark valley that you're in right now, you need to be reminded today that he's with you. Or maybe today you need to prepare to go out, to be ready, to be ready to love people. But as you go and love people, be humble in it. Be humble in it. Because God doesn't need you today. Yeah, I just said that. God doesn't need you today. But he's invited you today. But maybe God's doing a work in your life right now. I had a conversation with a young man this week who's battling with his calling. And I just encouraged him to just be surrendered. Be surrendered. But when we're surrendered, guess what? It usually never makes sense on paper. The timing usually never makes sense. The location usually never makes sense. I told y'all, I'm a North Hall boy. He moved me to the other side of the world down here in South Hall. Practically a third world country now. I'm just kidding. I love it. 
but be ready. Be ready, be reminded. Be humble and be surrendered. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.